This is the Secret Library Podcast. Welcome to Season 5, Making a Writing Life. And so, we come to the end. This is Episode 10 of Season 5 of the Secret Library Podcast. So we're wrapping up our conversation today about making a writing life. And we'll be discussing the topic that's changed my writing life arguably the most out of all of them. And that is rewards. Or perhaps treats would be a better reflection of how I actually talk about this. We had risk last week, so we had to come to reward next. Many people will rightly say writing is its own reward. And that's true, if a little bit sanctimonious. But what I find is that the reward that comes from writing, it's a benefit that you see in months rather than minutes. Of course, there are those days that are amazing, and it feels like everything is happening, and you can see the story unfolding right as you're typing or writing with a pen. But those don't happen every day, and we can't count on that, nor should we feel that we're doing something wrong if that isn't what happening. If that isn't what happens every time we sit down. And so the importance of reward is not necessarily to convince ourselves to do something we dislike doing. But it's, you know, we don't think of it as a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. I'm not saying that writing is medicine. Rather that the thing that stops most people from writing novels is not the chunk of time they need to sit in the chair and write. It's the 10 seconds it takes to walk to the chair and sit down. That's where we get stuck. If you've ever read the book, The Creative Habit by Twyla Tharp, you may remember a story that has stuck in my mind ever since I read it. And that is the story about how she gets ready to go to the gym. She gets up at some ungodly hour, like five, and goes and gets in a cab and is shuttled off to her gym somewhere in New York. Um, this was well, well before Corona when this, when this book was written, at least 10 years before. So we can assume this, this routine has changed, but the principle hasn't. And that is that for her, the important thing is not all of the exercise that happens once she reaches the gym. The important thing is that she gets out of bed when the alarm goes off, puts on her exercise clothes, goes downstairs, and hails a cab. For her, once she's hailed the cab, the rest of the workout is inevitable. And so for her... That was the trigger, the gateway habit. And making that manageable allowed her to get the reward of the exercise. So what will help you as you continue to build your writing life after this season ends is to find ways to make that 10 seconds of walking to the chair and sitting down easier. We want to remove the friction, and reward is a way to do that. For example, 
how comfortable is your chair? Can you make it even more comfortable? Can you swap it for another one in the house if it isn't one you like sitting in? I like to light a delicious smelling candle from Our Lovely Goods, which is appropriately called the Old Library. And I have one burning right now as I'm recording this. The promise of the scent of one of their candles is enough to get me to sit down just so I can light it. I have playlists that are only used for writing. So that can work if you love music and you have particular types of music that you start to associate with writing. I've seen costume jewelry work. I've seen full-on costumes make a difference. Perfume you wear while writing and many other things reserved just for writing that you enjoy. So that walking over and sitting down becomes a reward all by itself. Given that writing is one of the activities we love having done already, and yet we sometimes fight it when it's time to start, reward is about making this easier. That little window that can mean the difference between a writing session that happened and one that didn't. There's a large amount of doubt that writers combat for a while until success feels normal. And I'm not talking about New York Times bestseller success. I'm talking about, I know that I can take this idea into a scene and that I can revise that scene into something I'm happy with. And until you get to that point where you trust that that's going to happen, there's going to have to be some support and routines and methods to rely on can help you get to the point where sitting down to write is less scary. Starting small is one of those important factors because doing a little teeny step and then celebrating the win that that little step is cements the belief that you're capable and that you can trust yourself to make progress. Write for five minutes and then have a dance party. This will feel silly. It will feel foolish. It will feel even ridiculous. Why am I doing this? I haven't done anything important, you'll say to yourself. Do it anyway. We've been trained that delaying reward is the way to be successful in life. A study that often gets brought up at this point when you talk about delaying reward and it leading to great things in life is the one about the children who get placed in a room alone with a marshmallow. And the child is told that they will get a second marshmallow if they don't eat the first and if they wait. And they are left alone quite a while. Many, many of the kids cave and eat the marshmallow and then don't get the second marshmallow. And we are treating ourselves with our rewards like the kid waiting for the second marshmallow. So we think this way when we plan a treat for ourselves around writing. Like we may say to ourselves, okay, I'll write for 30 minutes and then I'll I'll let myself read for a little while. Or I'll take a walk when I finish this scene. So insert whatever reward you tend to give yourself or plan to give yourself. And stop me if I'm wrong here, but I bet you've gotten to this point where you've done what was required of you 
to get the treat. The treat has been earned, but then you struggle to actually get the treat and have it. Maybe you think you need to wait longer and then there will be this sense of, oh no, I haven't really earned it. I need to wait until I can earn something bigger and then that'll be more justified. But the problem with this logic is that instead of being the kid who waits and gets two marshmallows, which is a win, if you don't give yourself the reward you've planned, you become the kid who always waits and gets no marshmallows, no matter how much writing you've done. And this over time leads to a sense of being ripped off and it erodes trust in yourself. So if you feel a feeling of doubt that writing on a given day is worth it, look back over your recent writing sessions and see if you've promised yourself any treat or reward after you finish and see if that actually happened. Did you follow through on the promise you made to yourself? There's no need to beat yourself up. We have a long history in the modern world of delaying gratification. And it's deeply embedded in our society that successful people delay gratification. So it takes a lot of help and support and like-minded people around you to combat this conditioning. I mean, most of us know the most detrimental one out there, which is, in my humble opinion, that, okay, I'm going to spend... 40, 60, 80 hours a week doing something that's just fine, that I don't care much about, and I'm going to get 10 days off a year if I live in some parts of the world. And then once I'm about 65 or older, then I'll be allowed to pursue what I really want to do because I've done the, the virtuous part up to that point. This is a deal that many people have made for a long time, and societally, it's programmed in. So this is classic waiting for the second marshmallow trick. Now, there are second marshmallows that are worth waiting for. You know, if you save money instead of spending it on something you don't really care about or need, it's probably going to be more satisfying to you later. But in the, in the sense of, okay, I'm going to give up all of my time to something I don't really care about and not spend it on something I do care about, there aren't going to be extra marshmallows at the end. You're not going to get an extra 50 years later on because you denied yourself the time that you wanted now. Writing is definitely a risk. We went into this in depth last week. And if you want to convince your inner critic and your creative self that the risk of writing a book is worth it, you will need evidence of success to shore you up. And in order to keep investing that time and justifying taking it away from other things that may seem more sensible and more realistic in the moment, you're going to need evidence that this is working. So how can you do this? Make it really easy for yourself to succeed, especially at the beginning. Like, I'm going to write for five minutes easy. And always give yourself the treat that you've promised for doing that really easy step. One method that I'm quite fond of that the writer V.E. Schwab famously uses is just to have a blank paper calendar and some stickers. 
So for her, if she writes her words that day or whatever writing she plans to do, she gets a sticker. She also has some fun ones, like if she finishes a chapter or a section or a draft or even a book, then she has fancier stickers that she gets to use. So I'm pretty um, inclined to follow her advice or to get inspired by it, given that she's one of the few people I know of who's only ever been a professional novelist. And stickers on a calendar is good for a number of reasons. First of all, it's fun. Writers love stationery. I certainly do. And many, many of you love stickers. So that part is fun all on its own. But the other piece from a psychological standpoint is that a blank calendar filled with stickers is visible and tangible evidence of success and progress. Much of the time we spend working on books and working on any writing project is not tangible. And the idea of whether we're getting anywhere or not is often the difference between how we're feeling one day and the next. We don't have something to hold on to. There isn't necessarily something to point at and say, yes, I'm really on my way now. I'm getting there. And so finding ways that you can make your writing progress concrete and be able to remind yourself of this effort that is adding up frequently. It really does help to build your confidence and your stamina. So if you make a promise to yourself, I'm going to write for five minutes and then you do it and then you put a sticker on the calendar and then the next day you do it again and again and maybe that five minutes becomes six minutes or seven or 10 and it keeps growing and you keep adding stickers. And then you can look at that and say, okay, if I say I'm going to write this amount of time and then I actually do it, then maybe what I believe I'm going to do has some power. Maybe if I say I'm going to finish this book, I'm actually going to be able to finish this book. Beyond just the individual steps, it's great to keep going in these small step formats, but knowing how the critic has a tendency to sneak in, it's important to have a bigger picture as well and have an overall sense of where we're headed. How many of these 5, 10, 15, 20, or however long you write, how many of those steps is it going to take to get where we need to go? And so that is the stage at which mapping out milestones and planning for treats at these milestones and rewards, as well as rest and inhales and all of the things that we've talked about this season to shore you up and refuel and continue to pull in inspiration while you're working on a project over a longer period of time. It helps to have this mapped out because, as we've already mentioned, that does make it more concrete and tangible. And you can also make sure that you're not planning something unrealistic or something that's going to burn you out. And so following these steps, as you make a map, and I tend to work in stages. So I don't make a map that starts with book idea and ends with published novel with 
excellent reviews or whatever it is that I want to have at the end. That's too large of a map. And instead, what I like to do is to do it in stages. So I'll go from idea to end of first draft. Then I'll do another map from first draft to revision and worked through with the editor. And then I'll do another draft for publication or seeking publication as a third map. And I tend to make these on uh, the equivalent of an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper or A4 piece of paper, depending on where you live, turned sideways. So it is landscape rather than portrait. And I put the goal where I want to go in the top right-hand corner. I put where I am now in the bottom left-hand corner. And then I start from the top right-hand corner and work my way back, asking myself when I have the final step of, say, finish draft, then I will ask myself what needs to happen right before this. And then when I do that, I say what needs to happen right before this. And I draw a little line and a new bubble for the thing before that. And I keep going thing before that thing before that kind of diagonally meandering across the page until I get back to where I am now. Once I have that, then I mark usually with stars or asterisks treats at moments I feel are significant, like a third of the way through the book, halfway through the book, three quarters of the way through the book, and so on. There will be some sort of refueling treat and some sort of rest as well. And having this visual map, being able to, as I like to do, color in the stages as I reach them with colored pencil, helps me to follow my way to the big, the end. And you can follow this process as well across your book. And having treats along the way as you go along this long journey, it isn't about spoiling yourself. It's about giving the effort that you've made form, that you can see and touch and that feels real. And this doesn't have to be expensive. It isn't just about fancy stuff. I found even something as simple as getting a different nail polish color that I wouldn't normally wear as a treat along the way means that whenever you wear that nail polish color, you can think, I finished act two of my novel. And seeing that color makes it real, gives it a tangible form. I've also gotten earrings at the end of a revised draft. And then every time I wear those earrings... I remember, oh, I can do this. I can revise a novel. As we reach the end of this episode and this season, what I hope that you've learned from these episodes, most of all, is that you can take these questions, these inquiries, these themes that we've discussed and make them yours. So from this episode, make lists of treats. Make lists of little treats and big treats and things that you've dreamed of. Especially ones that cost next to nothing or nothing at all. 
I find that when I crave a treat that I have to buy, often it feels like the thing I want to buy is a shortcut to an experience I want to have. Whenever I want to buy a bunch of books, and I already have a bunch of books, which is basically always, I have to remind myself that the urge to buy more books is really the urge to read more often. And so the treat that I really want in those moments is to spend more time reading, not to feel even more guilty about all the books in my house that I haven't yet gotten to. So think about those treats that are experience treats in addition to making your dreams and your writing process tangible. And remember to claim them. There is no second marshmallow. So take this marshmallow when you reach your landmark. If you'd like some help and some tips with creating your map, or you just want a good blank calendar for stickering, you can check out a link in the show notes to get a free copy of the Your Writing Year Planner, which goes from 2021 to 2022. We make this planner every year, and in addition to blank calendar pages, it also contains prompts for coming up with treats, for making your goals more delicious, and also has a number of different formats of trackers, as well as a diagram of the map that I described here. So if you'd like a visual reference and something that you can print out, this would be a great one for you. So you can get that via the show notes at secretlibrarypodcast.com or right inside of your podcast player. I hope that it helps you to get further towards the goals that you have for your writing. I want to thank you so much for listening to the Secret Library podcast and in particular for listening to this fifth season. It was a risk and has turned out to be a reward for me to record an entire solo season. Given that this show was built as an interview show, I wasn't sure how it would feel to fly solo. And in some ways, it was exactly as scary as I thought it would be. And in other ways, it was incredibly liberating. So I'm grateful to have had this opportunity. And as always... We will, we will move forward with both interviews and solo episodes, depending on the topic, depending on what seems to serve what we're discussing best. It would mean the world if you rated, reviewed, and subscribed to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. But even more wonderful would be for you to share it with a friend or loved one who needs a writing treat. We've had many students say that listening to episodes has been a treat that they use to motivate themselves to write, which is a huge honor. Thank you so much. And we will see you back here next year in 2022 for season six. Until then, take care and happy writing. Happy writing.